I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome those of joining us on the South Shore, Gulf Coast, online. And every week, I want to particularly welcome all the men and women in the Orleans Justice Center and St. Tammany Parish Jail. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us live right now? So excited to have you guys with us. We are in the third week of a series entitled Playlist. Now, I want to say just a little bit about next weekend. We're going to be starting uh, a series. Uh, we've done it one time before. It's called You Asked For It. About a month, a month or two ago, we asked you guys to uh, submit some questions. Uh, and you guys asked some great questions, by the way. A lot of different questions. And so uh, I've been spending the last three or four weeks putting them together, seeing the different groupings. And, I, and I've kind of come down to three different major topics uh, that I'm going to be dealing with. Next week, this is a big one. A lot of questions about depression, oppression, suppression. Uh, you know, what is medical? What is demonic? How do I deal with this? Uh, what does the Bible say about this? Also, I'm going to tie in a little bit as we talk about depression, uh, about uh, there's a, a, just a rash of suicide that's been taking place. Uh, and I'm going to address that. I'm going to address a little bit about that, how we, that it's, the, there's no shame in getting help. How many of you know that if you're hurting, you need to get help? How many of you know if you're hurting, you need to get help? We need help. Yes, from God, but from other people. And I'm going to talk to you next week. And man, this, this is a message to bring, uh, to bring somebody to. Everybody's struggling with depression at some level or stress. It's kind of like stress, depression, and then hopelessness. And so we want to learn how to deal with it right here. That's where we want to deal with it. Number two, uh, a lot of questions about the Bible. Uh, Pastor, you know, I'm from South Louisiana or South Mississippi and you know, in the Bible, saying Leviticus, you're not supposed to eat shellfish. I mean, no, that's not God's will. <laughs> we should be able to eat shrimp with a clean conscience. Come on, you know what I'm talking. So here's the deal. But yet the Bible talks about that. How do I reconcile? How do I reconcile pork, not eating pork, and, and does the Ten Commandments still apply today? I'm going to be dialoguing and dealing with the relevancy of the Bible next week. A lot of questions about that. Because you have people, what I'd say today is, it, it's kind of like, I believe this, I don't believe that. I'll take this, I don't take that. Can we really do that? What is the grid that we see through and that we can appropriately apply the Scripture in our lives in the 21st century? And then the, we're going to end up, uh, dealing with, on the third week, the end times. Get a lot of questions from you guys always about that. Uh, last year, did First Thessalonians. Uh, the year before that, the book of Revelation. By the way, thousand, the number one download uh, on our website when people go to look at messages uh, is the book of Revelation. A lot of questions about the end times. So what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to boil down, whether it's the book of Daniel, Revelation, taught the book of Daniel about four or five years ago, too, uh, Daniel, Revelation, 1 Thessalonians. We're going to try to boil it down in 35 minutes. What do you need to know about the end times? We had questions about Israel and the Antichrist and what should we be looking at. So we're going to do our best uh, over the next three weeks to answer these three questions. Uh, and then I, I just think it's an appropriate series to do. A lot of questions, and I trust there will be some answers for you guys. All right, today, I want to finish up talking about playlists. You know, interesting, a playlist, you make a playlist, kind of your favorite songs, things get stuck in your head as well. Matter of fact, you can go to a, to a restaurant, and they can have a song on an intercom. You don't even realize that it's at lunchtime, and yet you're humming that song all day long. Isn't that right? 
I'll never forget, I was in high school, and there was a song uh, that was popular before I was in high school, 1979, by Bob Dylan. But I remember hearing this song. Uh, again, I was in the 80s in high school, but Bob Dylan, in 1979, he had an experience with God. I don't know where he is with the Lord. I don't judge. Uh, but I will say this. It was a powerful song. And the song that Bob Dylan wrote and sang was, You Gotta Serve Somebody. Anybody remember that? And it was talking about, you gotta serve somebody. It may be the devil. Maybe. And basically, he was calling people to account that you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. And I just began to think about this. Uh, you know, it's appropriate for what we're going to be dealing with next week on Serve Day. I believe God would say to us, you got to serve somebody. You, you, you and I, as Christ followers, we've been called by God. Isn't it interesting that God did not take us out of the earth when we became a Christian? But he left us here. He left us here because I think, as Bob Dylan would say, we got to serve somebody. That God has called each one of us to make an impact in this life on the earth. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to begin by giving you guys a quiz, all right? And with this quiz, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to read first kind of a biography about a man, and I'm going to ask you, I don't want you to answer out loud lest we distract one another, but I'll get to the end. And I'll give you a moment and pause and say who you may think it is. First, there's a man, and then there's a lady. All right, here we go. We're talking today. We're talking today about the power of doing good. That God has called each one of us on this earth, in our lifetime. I'm not accountable for something that happened in the 1800s. I'm not accountable for the South, but I am accountable for my generation where God put me. I want to talk to you about the power of doing good. First person, it's a man. He was born the son of a Lutheran pastor in 1875. He became an acclaimed organist and worldwide authority on Bach by the time he was 30. Later, he earned doctorates in philosophy and theology. In 1905, he enrolled in medical school so that upon receiving his degree, he would no longer, in his words, merely have to talk about the religion of love, but put it into practice with his hands. In 1913, he and his wife moved to French Equatorial Africa, now Gabon, to build a treatment center for under-resourced Africans. He stayed there the rest of his life. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1952. He died in Africa at the age of 90. I have a picture of him. It's not Albert Einstein. And, uh, but, but close, Dr. Albert, does anybody know? Schweitzer, Dr. Albert Schweitzer. Very powerful, influential. Matter of fact, there are humanitarian and aid or, uh, agencies and organizations today that give credit to him as being one who inspired them. Next person, quiz. This may be a little bit easy. Who is this woman? She was born the youngest of three children in the former Yugoslavia in 1910. She joined a youth group, and by the age of 19, uh, 17, she knew that she wanted to live her life dedicated to God. She became a high school geography teacher and was promoted to the high school principal level in 1944. But her career as an educator was ended because 
she contracted tuberculosis. Some of you may have not known that. I did not know that until I studied her life. In 1948, she started an unofficial school. So she moved to a place, and she started an unofficial school for young children in the slums of Calcutta, India. And there she combined the school, uh, she combined teaching and medical care to nurse uh, people that were sick back to health. In 1950, she rented a house with her own money. She didn't have any backers. She rented with her own money so that people who were dying in the streets were transported there to die with dignity. As a matter of fact, uh, she was one of the earliest pioneers in treating people uh, that had AIDS before AIDS actually had the name. In 1997, she as well, uh, actually before that, in 1979, she was awarded uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. She died, a household name, in 1997. Does anybody know who that is? Mother Teresa. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. If you read about their lives, if you understand anything about these two individuals, watch this. In much of what was written about them, they were esteemed, but others ridiculed them. Much about what they received were accolades, but there were others that... That, that spoke very harshly about them. Matter of fact, Mother Teresa specifically, she was extremely committed to life and, and, and for the unborn. And you, you talk about causing all kind of stuff. I mean, you, you're, you're talking about, and, and yet, and yet, she helped countless people. She inspired countless people, and she did good anyway. Albert Schweitzer, Dr. Albert Schweitzer in Africa. There were people that applauded him and there were people that ridiculed him. There were people that loved him and there were people that hated him. But he made a decision to do good anyway. Why? They knew that people are illogical. They knew that people can be fickle. They knew that people can appreciate you in one moment and then depreciate you in the next moment. That's why they made a commitment with their lives. They were going to do good anyway. I want to say to you, I want to say to myself, maybe you and I, quote, will not be known as somebody that is powerful and influential as them. I do think it's important to know they never led an army. They were never business tycoons. They did not die multimillionaires, but they changed and inspired countless people. They inspired relief organizations. They inspired uh, humanitarian movements. Why? Because they made it their daily assignment to wake up and do good. They made it their assignment. They didn't care about what people said. They knew they had a mission from God to do good. Question, what is your mission from God? Well, I'm a business person. Do you realize that part of what God has called you to do is good? Well, pastor, I am. You fill in the blank. Do you realize that the reason why God created you, the reason why that God placed you on this earth, it's to do good? It's to inspire others. It's to help others. It's to, it's, 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 it's to, to achieve, listen, it's to achieve a level of impact where you have lifted others beyond where you found them. Pastor, you know what? Is this in the Bible? Of course it's in the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible. Paul wrote in the book of Titus. I love Titus. He wrote to Titus, a, a, a guy that he was mentoring. Here's what he said. Those who believe in God. How many believers? we have any believers in here? Come on, all the campuses. Raise your hand. We have believers. All right, here's what he says. Those of you that believe in God should be careful to maintain what? Say it. 
Good works. I'm a believer in God. If you're a believer in God, we are to maintain good works. That's what the Bible says. Paul goes on to say to Titus, and I love Titus chapter 3, 1. You know what I do? My job is first a Christian to love God and to help people, but I'm also as a pastor. My job is to remind you guys of what God has told us in the Bible. That's what a pastor does each week to be able to open God's word. And just like Paul told Titus, who was a pastor in his region, in the same way God is, is, is encouraging me, that I have to once a year, by the way, this is the weekend, once a year, where I remind you guys. Why? Because next Saturday, last year we had 1,500 people. Hopefully this year we have 2,000 people at our South Shore and our Gulf Coast and the North Shore campuses and all the different uh, things, whether it's a nursing home, wh whether they're in schools. We're, we, we've got, I don't know how many projects we're doing. It is a lot of initiatives. And this is the weekend, once a year, where I remind you guys to be ready for every good work. Every good work. That God has an assignment for each one of our lives. That God has good works for us to do. Last verse, chapter 3, verse 14. I love this. Here's what he said. Learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. In other words, God's called us to fruitfulness. Now, I want to be the first to admit, sometimes I do not evaluate. Matter of fact, when I lay my head on that pillow at night, sometimes I evaluate my day not by how much good I did, but how little bad I did. Not by what I did do, but what I didn't do. In other words, somebody cut me off in traffic, and I'm real proud of myself because I didn't say anything. Somebody didn't treat me kindly, and, and you know, the Bible says don't revile evil for evil. In other words, don't return evil for evil. And I am pumped because I was a Christian. In other words, we pat ourselves on the back because it's not because of how much good we've done, but how much harm we didn't do. Is that really the evaluation that God wants to evaluate? Is that really the litmus test? Is that really what God is after in this? That, 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 we're, that we're grateful that that, that day, that, that we didn't say something unkind, we didn't give somebody, quote, a piece of our mind, or, or we didn't respond to unfair criticism. In other words, is our lives really evaluated by what we didn't do or by what we do do? You know, it's, uh, I remember a number of years ago, and I, I have a witness to this story, uh, Pastor Randy Craighead, I, I'll never forget, I did tell this story one, one other time, and it was, it's such a powerful story because it really illustrates how we evaluate our lives. I, we were at a conference in California, and it was a number of years ago, and we were all excited because we, we were coming back. And matter of fact, I, I, I saw that from, from, Cali from Palm Springs to New Orleans, we had a direct flight. It was three hours and 21 minutes, and I was fired up, man, because we, we'd, we'd been at this conference all week long, and we were pumped up. And, you know, you go to a conference. I mean, we, we were so excited. I mean, it was like one of those where you could just feel like you can, you know, just charge hell with a water pistol. I, I just want to do something. I want to make a difference for God. I mean, I, that's how fired up I was. But I was tired. So I just couldn't wait to get on that airplane, man. I just thought to myself, man, I just cannot wait. I said, Randy, I am so tired. I said, well, I don't want to talk. I said, I know, you, I know you're tired. Said, Let's just get on this thing. And so, uh, and it's interesting, we, 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 when I saw my ticket, it was like way in the back. It was like way in the back. I thought, man, this thing must be huge. And so we get on the, we get on the airplane, and, and, you know, we're just walking back. And, of course, we get all the way to the end and the last seat, 
y'all know the travel, the last, the last seat on the airplane, it does not what? It does not, it doesn't go back. So, of course, that's not God's will. And so it, it just... <laughs> It just like it's demonic. It just won't go. It just it just it just stuck right there, you know. So of course, Randy. So we had two seats, and he goes, "Look, I'll take the window." I'm like, "All right, you guys, fine. You can have the window. You know, it's whatever, whatever, whatever you want, brother. It's whatever." Well, I was pretty excited. The consolation prize is that we had an empty seat between us. So this is pretty cool. Of course, the, the, steward, the stewardess was like, "You know, this plane is full. You know, you know, and just you know, it's gonna be a full flight. Make sure your overhead baggage and all this stuff." And, and so the, the, the doors are literally about to close. And I've counted. There was four seats. There was one, two, three. And this arse, there was four seats on this whole plane that were, that were open. And they're about to close the doors. And, 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 and this lady got on with the baby and lots of bags. Her bags had bags. I mean, there was just countless bags. There was just an overabundance of bags. She was blessed with lots of bags. And so... And so I'm sitting there, Randy's kind of, he's already got, got his little headphones, and he's kind of dozing off, and he's got his head against the window, and I'm sitting there, my, my legs are kind of crossed, because I'm sitting in the, in, the, in the back, and I'm just kind of watching this whole, and I'm evaluating. <laughs> and I'm watching, and she goes by the first seat, and I'm like, okay, that's not good. Because I felt like God was really blessed me, right? Because he's given us an empty seat. We've been serving him and doing great things for him. And yet the seat wouldn't go back. So that devil tried to hit me. But God was blessing me with an empty seat. God's the equalizer. But anyway, so I'm watching this. And then she doesn't go to the second. She's like getting ready to sit. I thought, oh, she's going to sit. That's going to be her seat. And she doesn't go. Now I start invoking the name of Jesus. Jesus, because I figured that'll help. In the name, of, you know, I'm just doing whatever I can do. And so, and she just comes, and she comes all the way up, and she just comes, and she, and she, and now I'm thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to get up, because I'm a, you know, and so I'm going to just get up, and I'm going to help her, you know, and I'm going to put the baggage in. And as I go to get up, she hands me her child. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, that's not even legal. You can't even do that. That's like against FAA rules. That, you know, and I, I'm just like, dude, what do you do? So she hands me the child. And, of course, I look at Randy. He's laughing. He's a heathen. But anyway, so, he, so he's laughing at me. And so she's putting all this baggage up and everything. So she gets in the middle, and I'm, I'm holding her baby like this. And so she gets out her food and all this stuff. And so she's getting, and I'm holding the baby. She's getting out her food. Randy's over here. And so he, he goes over to me, and here's what he said. You shouldn't. Now, I, I'm just like, where's the love, bro? Where, where's love? And so, and so as, as she takes the baby back, and I go, and I just try to rest, I'm thinking to myself, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that we evaluate ourselves often by what we, quote, don't do rather than the attitude in which we do do things? Talk about the power of doing good. There's an opportunity every single day. I know it immediately you have a message like this. Here's what some people think. Pastor, are you saying that we're saved by doing good works? Of course not. We're saved because of faith in the blood of Christ. With Jesus, his good work on the cross. We don't save ourselves. Christ saves us. We put our faith in Christ. But I will say this. Other people are saved by Christ, but the good works that we do as we tell them about Christ. So our good works don't get us to heaven, but our good works help other people get to heaven. I mean, that's important. Are you with me? So, so, so we, we, we have to watch that. We all do that. I do that. We all do that. We evaluate ourselves. So here's what I want to do. I want to answer three questions 
And then I'm going to ask every single person, South Shore, Gulf Coast, every one of our campuses here at Little Creek, that right afterwards, if you're not signed up, that you would consider signing up to be part of, quote, doing good next weekend. Three things. Number one, why should we do good? In other words, why should we go out of our way to do good deeds? Why should we break ranks with so many people that are, quote, into just good times and not good deeds? They just want good feelings, but they don't want good effort. They, 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 they want to feel good, but they don't want to give out. Why, why should we break ranks with most of culture and say, you know what, we're going to be about doing good. Why? Number one, because our model did, Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, this is what the Bible says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went around doing what? Everybody say it. Good. So if Jesus, remember the bracelet is WWJD, if Jesus himself went around doing good, how much more should we? That's what he did, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So number one, why should we do good? Our model, the one that started this thing, we're Christians, we belong to a belief system and a religion of Christianity. We have a personal relationship with Jesus, and he is our commander-in-chief. And if he went around doing good, then we should, quote, emulate his actions and do, quote, good likewise. Now, number two, the second reason why we should do good is because God prepared good works for you to do. I want you to think about this for a moment. This is profound. This is a deep thought that all of us have to think about. Did you know that God put gifts, talents, and abilities in your life before you were born because he had an assignment for you to do? It's interesting. Sometimes we get frustrated at work because it's like, man, I just hate my job. It's hard to do good when you hate where God puts you. Man, I just tell you, man, this neighborhood, it's hard to do good when you despise where you are. It's hard. Man, you know what, man? I wanted to get into this college, but I couldn't get into this college, so I ended up at this college. And, and all the while, God is, listen, God is tapping you on the shoulder to do, quote, good, but you're not doing good because you've got a bad attitude about where he has you. And yet the Bible says this. This is, this is, this is amazing. Even this concept would take just, it's so profound, this, this scripture I'm about to show you. The reason why God created you, the reason, yes, to love God, but he left you on this earth is because there are some things that he prepared for you to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, the Greek word poema. It's where we get the word poem from. Again, I'm not a poet, but the intentionality of how people write poetry. Some of you that are poets, and you, and you write it, and then you, you, know, you, you, you make adjustments, and then you just get it right. God says that we are his just get it right work. He, he got it right. He made you intentionally. The gifts and the talents and the abilities and the strengths and the weaknesses and the aptitude. He, he, he designed all of that stuff, boom, and deposited in you. Why? He created you. For, for we are as workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, everybody say it, good works, which God prepared Beforehand, before what? Before you and I were born. That we, could, that we should what? Walk in them. So in other words, why should we do good works? It's our destiny. It's our purpose. It's God's plan for our lives. 
And God designed us in a certain way. And here's the thing. Isn't it interesting the way that your personality is designed, that you respond to life differently than the person next to you often responds to life? Why is that? Because you are a solution to some problem in culture, but God is tapping on your shoulder to be the one to fix it. And the reality is we get, well, just why am I in this situation? Could it be, could it be that God designed you in that situation? And by the way, could it be the very thing that bothers you is a clue that God wants you to fix it? Instead of feeling agitated, realize that God's trying to energize you so that you could be an antidote to the problem. Man, that was good. You got to think about that one. I'm always bothered by this. I'm always, well, then fix it. Do something about it. I can't. I'm just little old me. Time out. If every little old me said they couldn't do anything about that, then we would never get anything done. Versus somebody go, you know what? I can't do everything, but I can do something. And if enough people do something, then we'll get a lot of things done. So the first why we should do good is because God created us that way. And you know what's interesting? I, uh, this summer, again, I've been preaching at different places. I was at the South Shore uh, campus on Father's Day, uh, watching Pastor Dave communicate live. How many of y'all love Pastor Dave DeGarmo? Come on. Y'all love Pastor Dave? Does an incredible job. Incredible job as our South Shore campus pastor and one of our executive pastors. And he's just an incredible teacher. And I, I was watching. I had the opportunity of going to different campuses and speaking at different places. And, and, and some of you guys, uh, I haven't been yet, but, but uh, this summer I'd like to go to, uh, towards the end for a couple days. But some of you guys have been to the beach already. And isn't it just something about sitting out there and just at the beach and you just, and you just watch, watch this. I'm going somewhere. You watch the waves as they come in. There's something, there's something about, there's a, there's a, there's a certain healing that it's almost like, it's almost like medicinal in a sense. Well, did you know that God created that? God created the waves and God created all of that. Remember earth science as a kid? Yeah. God created how that works and, and how that. So you're looking at creation, breaking on creation. It inspires you. You know, some of you guys have the opportunity to go to the mountains, maybe to Colorado. Maybe you're going on a family trip. Or I, I met a couple. I mean, there's a couple that was going to, uh, uh, the other day, I, they were going to Jackson Hole. I was passionate. I'm so excited. Man, it's going to be awesome. And and the Grand Teton and all that. We're going to go to the park. It's just amazing. And you, and, and you go and you see that, and, and it's just awe-inspiring. How anybody could be an atheist after they go see the Rocky Mountains or the Grand Teton, I just, it just shocks my mind. Matter of fact, they're actually denying reality. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, God put eternity in their heart. You have to work real hard to be an atheist. Now, why am I saying that? God could have put us in any world. He could have put us in a sterile broken, nasty, non-ambient, pleasing, it just, but he put Adam and Eve in a garden? Well, pastor, what about sin? You're right. God put Adam and Eve in a good garden. Matter of fact, God called them very good. Then they sinned, but then God sent a good Savior, Jesus, to die on a cross so that, listen, his good can eradicate our bad and we can have a relationship with him, and then he's called us to be agents of dumping goodness back on this earth. How does it work? That's how it works. So we become kingdom people so that we can back our dump trucks up of love and kindness. And so, you know, I, don't, you know, I remember as a kid, we, we would have a dump truck because our, our yard would sink. 
just to hell. And it would just sink down. So we have a dump truck come, and that dump truck, and the sand would come, and all my brother and I would do, that's a lot of work. But how I many you know that God has called each one of us to be a dump truck? He wants to back you up into your classroom, into your school, into your neighborhood, into your job, and he wants to dump out all of his goodness through you and through me. That's what God wants to do. Well, we're just going to wait for the angels to do it. He's not going to do it that way. Open the windows. Here come the angels. No, open the door and walk through it. Whoa, I didn't mean to get so strong. But that's what God wants to do. So the why. The why is that God has created you and I to do good. I'm so excited about Serve Day coming. Matter of fact, if you're not signed up, if you'd like to be signed up, I think we have a thing. You can text Serve Day to 25827. Again, it'll come up on your phone or you can go online or at all the campuses, our South Shore campus, Gulf Coast here at Little Creek. You can sign up in the commons, the foyer area, right after. Second question. I'm almost finished. Stay with me. Where should I, Pastor, do all these good deeds? Where? You guys remember the uh, story of the Good Samaritan? Great story. And uh, I've been to Israel three times, and I kind of went in the area where they believed, the guide believed that the Good Samaritan story, you know, would have taken place. And and, 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 and it's down towards Jericho. So you got this guy. Let me give you the summation. You got this guy. He's going down to a particular area. Some robbers come, beat this guy up, throw him off the horse, and he's left for dead. Three people walk by him. First person walks by him and says, man, hope you get better and keeps walking. I'm giving you the cliff note. Second person walks by. Religious person, Bible says. Second person walks by, religious, actually first one as well, and says, man, pray for you, buddy. I hope you get well. Third person that comes by, the good, good and interesting, the good Samaritan. Do you guys know Samaritans are actual people group? There's, there's Samar- Samaritans came from Jewish and Assyrians. And when Assyria came and took over uh, Israel years and years in the Old Testament, and they intermingled, and they became Samaritans. That's where there's still, I think there's like 650 or 700 pure Samaritans left. Matter of fact, one of the biggest anchor women, anchor uh, like TV person in Israel is a Samaritan woman. They're beautiful people, incredible people, and they're, they're, they're set. And so, this is, so there's real Samaritans that live in Samaria. It's between Galilee and Jerusalem. That's where they live. Well, the Bible says this was a good Samaritan. Well, what did he do? Here's what he did. He was walking by and saw this guy. He goes, whoa, man, I got to do something. So here's the deal. He rolled up his sleeves. He got dirty, cleaned this person off, put him on a horse or a donkey, brought him to an inn, Paid for the end and took care of it. Question, where should we do good works? Everywhere. Wherever we're walking in life, wherever our pathway is at school, wherever our pathway is in, in, our, in our neighborhood, wherever our pathway is at work, work wherever we walk by <laughs> and sense a need, that's where we do it. We don't wait we do it then. Interestingly enough, the moment you make your name a Christian, the moment you say that you're a Christian, the moment that you identify you're a Christian, watch this. People, please listen to me. People will evaluate you differently. 
Our culture today is trying to catch Christians in any sort of behavior that they would believe is subpar to what they believe a Christ follower should be. Why? So that they can somehow depreciate Christianity, denigrate it, put it down, make it just some sort of a sub-inferior belief system. So you're a Christian. Say you're a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian. Uh, you better, you better what? You, you, you better do some good. And yet, myself, sometimes I drop the ball. Sometimes I drop the ball real bad. Matter of fact, I, I, um, I have always been somewhat of a kind of a hyped up personality, type A personality. You guys know what that is on personality paradigms and profiles. And, and I've been impatient in the past. And I, I'm working on I'm getting better. Don't look at me so holy. <laughs> Some of y'all are worse. But anyway, so we, we, so I'll never forget, I was, I was, I was one time, I was, remember we're talking about where do we do good everywhere. It's our path, the principle of the pathway. It's wherever we're going. I'll never forget, I was in this grocery store one time, and this, 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 this precious cashier lady, girl, she was just, man, she was, she was, she was not in a hurry. I mean, she was just taking her time. She was just ringing things out. So I did what anybody else does. It's impatient. You know, you're kind of in line, and you're just kind of like, whoa. You know, you send out little SOS, little signals, not too overt, kind of covert, and you start building consensus of victimization, a collective victimization with anybody else next to you. Is this taking long? Is this just me, or is this like taking a long time? That's what we do as Americans. We build collective victimization. So that's what we do, because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Are you a victim? I'm a victim. Is this taking long? Has this ever happened to you before? So you say it. You can't, like, say it too much because it would be like a, a, an attack. So you just kind of let it spill over. Man, this is taking a long time. <laughs> the strategy is to try to prompt them to move quicker. Does that make sense? That's the strategy. If, I, if, this, if I'd have had Facebook, I'd have put it on Facebook. Then we could have all been victims together and really got to got this girl. But anyway, so, so I finally, so I, I'm, just, I'm just really in the flesh. I'm just, just not, I'm just impatient. I'm, you know, all this stuff. I finally get up there. And the little girl, so she's just, she's just kind of doing it. Just as, it's just as slow as she could possibly do it. And she was just doing it. And so she did about two or three of my items, and she looked up. She went, that was a great message last weekend, Pastor. <laughs> now, there was a moment there. I, I mean, there was a moment. And I thought to myself, the blood of Christ will forgive anything that I'm about to do. <laughs> I felt like saying, I'm an attorney. Who are you talking about? What, what do you mean? And I mean, I'm serious. I'm, I'm just being honest. I was just like, I was like, but then she said, I know who you are. You're Pastor Steve. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You're awesome. <laughs> You're doing a great job. And, you know, as I walked out of there, I thought to myself, wow, 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 wow. How often, wherever we are, it's not like, let's go to church for an hour and 12 minutes. Let's behave differently, kids. It's wherever we go. Wherever we go. God's got some of you guys in place. I'm going to say it again. You're mad about where God has you, but yet you are the one that he's trying to back you up as a dump truck and to pour you out, his spirit out, his kindness out through you in that environment. Let me close with this. Number one, we talked about, we, we talked about why. 
Number two, we talked about where. Let me give you how. Two quick practical hows. Two ways. Number one, how do we do this? We do it through spirit-led promptings, and we do it through strategic moments. We as Christ followers have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So the Holy Spirit is doing this all the time. Here's what the Holy Spirit's doing. The Holy Spirit's going and knocking on our hearts not to get in so that we can get saved. We're Christians. So what is he doing? He's prompting us for us to get up and walk across the room and say something to somebody who's suicidal. And you're the one that God is trying to use to bring encouragement to that person because they're at the end. So, so in other words, it's spirit-led. It's wherever. It's, we're, we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit, I think I told this story right before I went on my break. I, I, there, was a, there was, and I'll say it again because I, I think I only did it in one service. And it just, I just thought of this in our last service. But, but I, was, I was getting gas. This is the end of May. I was getting gas. And, and just the Holy Spirit just prompted me. And I'm, all, I'm not saying this to make myself anybody. Trust me. That's why I confess all my other failures in front of you guys. We're all in this together. But, but I was getting gas. And I, 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 I finished pumping gas. And I was so, I was, I had, I had, I mean, you know, some of y'all are more spiritual than me. The Holy Spirit just goes. To me, it's sometimes it's. Okay, you know, so I'm not going to be hard at it. And it was like, go buy that woman gas. And I, so I walked over to this lady, and I said, ma'am, I'm not weird. You got to qualify today, right? <laughs> I wanted a video of myself, seriously, so nobody accused me of anything. You know what I'm saying? I thought, okay, I'm getting ready to talk to this woman. Okay, this isn't my wife. I'm not weird. I wanted to, vo- I said, listen, um, I know this sounds strange, but I, I just, I want to pay for your gas. I just want to. And she goes, no, 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 no. I said, no, 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 I really want to. I said, and I think I said, you know, I'm a Christian. I do this stuff or something like that. I just, I just feel, because I didn't want to be weird, you know. And yeah, I'm telling you, our culture, you know, everybody's. And so, 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 so I, I just, I said, no, I really want to. So I just put my credit card in, I pull it out. And, and I just, and I think I gave her a high five. I ain't hugging her, that is for sure. <laughs> I ain't doing that. I'm like, God bless you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so. So, I get home, and I get a text from Pastor Chris Callahan on our staff, one of our great young pastors. And he goes, Pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what? He goes, did you just buy gas for somebody at the gas station? He goes, yeah. He goes, that was my sister. <laughs> now, listen, now, listen. She had just walked, worked 14-hour days. He goes, you have no idea what that meant to her. I, it, I didn't know who she was. I didn't recognize her and, or anything like that. But here's my point. I'm not saying that. I hate when preachers do that because they're trying to highlight how great they are. Trust me. I, I've got a lot of weaknesses. But I'm the one up here talking. That's being spirit-led. Does that make sense? Let, let me give you the other thing. To be strategic as well. So it's to be spirit-led and to be strategic. We are getting together as a church next Saturday. Second Saturday we do it every month. Once a year as a church we do it. So there's strategic moments, and there's spirit-led moments. They're both. They're both. Now, let me give you this, and I'll close. I'll close with this. I, I, when I was back in Israel, I, um, on top of what's called the upper room, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out. Everybody's filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, on top of that, the guy that I was with, some of you guys have been to Israel with this guy, Arie Ben David. You can Google him, Arie, A-R-I-E-A, or whatever, Ben David. He's, a, he's 73. He's one his dad was from Bulgaria, 
in the 30s moved to Israel, they believed, they believed that he was the first believer, Jewish believer in Israel. That's what they say. Very deep, just deep theological. And we were on top, we were in the on top of the upper room, and he says, I believe this is where the Last Supper took place. Now that building has been rebuilt multiple times. And I was there with my daughter. My daughter graduated from high school, and I was there with her. Please stay with me. I got one minute. And at, at that meeting, or at that moment with him, 10 days I traveled to Israel with my daughter, Isabel. And it was her graduation present. I said, she goes, I want to go to Israel, Dad. I want to go on a trip to you and I. And I went, and we had a guy. And, and he got down on his knee, and he started teaching. And he actually had a, some water and a vase and a, and a towel. And he demonstrated the whole foot washing. And I began to think about this. Isn't it interesting that the last, typical, the, actually the last message that Jesus would have taught, he demonstrated, it was about servanthood? Later that night, he was betrayed in the garden, garden of Gethsemane. And I thought to myself, what is the deal? Here it is. Listen to me closely. Do you know as Christians, so much of our lives, so much of our lives is this, and there's nothing wrong with this at a point. You know, this represents like a bib, like you're eating crawfish, right? So you have a bib, and this represents feed me. There's nothing wrong with going to church getting fed. That's why I do series. I'm teaching the book of Joshua six weeks, starting the week after Labor Day. I'm doing three messages, and I'm doing a whole different series. Uh, You asked for it. I'm doing a whole series in August. So I like teaching the Bible. That's what we do around here. So we like feeding you guys. We have KBI, King's Biblical Institute. We've got internships. We've got classes, small groups. We believe. But... Maturity in the Christian life is not just where you stay in a position of feed me, feed me, feed me. Maturity in the Christian life is when you move from feed me to watch this. Where you move and this towel is not a bib to be fed, but it's an apron to serve other people. Where you go up and say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? I've always said this about Church of the King. Church of the King is not just to come and see church. We want incredible worship. We want incredible preach. We want all this to feed you guys. But we want to help you also to put your apron on right here and to say to your neighbor, to the school, to your place of business, how can I serve you? How can we help you? What can we do? Let me pray for you. Pastor Doug, won't you come? All the campus pastors, I'm asking you guys to come. Pastor Dave and Jeremy. And I'm going to pray, Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that you have called us to be a church to serve, to reach out, to love, and to care. Father, we love you. Lord, burn in our hearts a desire to do good works, the power of doing good, to make a difference with our lives. Lord, we love you, and we honor you in Jesus' name.